Hey everybody, how y'all doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate you listening for 34 episodes now and I just thank you and appreciate you for riding this journey out with me. Today on the show, we have Will Pugh returning as a guest to talk about wealth building, wills, and trust. I learned so much and I hope you do too. Thanks and I hope you enjoy. Before we get to the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about the George Floyd trial. The verdict was announced today and I watched it at my mom's house and I have a lot of thoughts. Most often when I do this segment, I write it out, but today I'm just going to speak from the heart because I have a lot on my mind. I'm kind of relieved and confused and sad all at the same time. So my friend Liz texted me and let me know that they were going to announce the verdict and my stomach did flip-flops. I was truthfully very nervous because I've seen too many times where something should be clear-cut guilty, especially when it comes to white perpetrators committing atrocities against black bodies. They usually are found not guilty. For instance, in the case of Trayvon Martin, that one hurt. And I could see it happening again in this situation. But I ran to my mother's house so I could make sure I could be there to see firsthand for myself before people started posting it on social media. And each time the judge announced a verdict in each charge, because it had three counts, second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter. And each time he announced the guilty verdict, I exhaled just a little bit because I was relieved that for once we had justice and accountability. But it didn't last long because, honestly, I watched Derek Chauvin's face because you can't see, really I watched his eyes because you can't see his whole face because his face was covered with a mask. And I could see the confusion and fear light up in his eyes. Because low-key, he didn't think he was going to be found guilty. And that, confi- that fear and confusion communicated that he realized that the protection that he had and the privilege that he had would no longer insulate him from justice and I think what I'm feeling sad about because I know that we needed accountability not me but definitely me as a black person as part of the culture the community we grieve collectively but um, George Floyd's family needed justice this had to be done but I felt sad because so often I feel like that's what drives racism is the fear that you know you have been protected 
and you don't want to give that up. So you're willing to sacrifice a whole community of people just to make sure that your life is comfortable and that it's okay for you to get away with things that you wouldn't allow others to get away with. And so where do we go from here? Because George Floyd was one case and look what it took to get justice in one case. If that young lady had not been brave enough to stand there and record the whole scene for nine minutes and 30 seconds, if that video hadn't gone viral, if the world hadn't seen that video, if we hadn't had 10 straight days of protesting across the world, would we have gotten justice? That's what makes me sad to know that even now, in two days, we're gonna bury another young man who was killed by a white cop in the same city, Dante Wright. And even still, a few days after that, Adam Toledo was killed by a police officer with his hands up in the air. So what do we do, America? There's a bill in Congress right now, the George Floyd Policing Act, that will bring a lot of changes in police's policing. And we do need that. We need changing. As a person with a law enforcement background, I firmly believe we need to make some changes. But at the same time, I recognize that we can make changes all day long, but if we don't change what's driving this system, which is racism, if we don't change hearts and minds and admit that the foundation of a lot of our systems and organizations were built on racism, it won't even matter. Because that new system, racism will creep right, right on in. So I'm sad because we still have a lot of people. We still have a long way to go to change some minds and change hearts so that our children and our children's children can live in a world where they feel safe and free to be as great as possible. That's all we ask. The privileges and freedoms that you enjoy, the liberties that you enjoy as a people, that's all we want. That's all we deserve. So, I just ask that we continue to pray for George Floyd and his family, pray for Dante Wright and his family, Adam Toledo and his family. And we pray for Atatiana Jefferson as we wait for movement in her case. We ask that at some point we find some justice in the case of Breonna Taylor as we are still waiting on that because no one has been brought to trial or even charged in her case. So we still have a long way to go. And what about all the cases where we don't hear that they don't make the news? So keep us all lifted. I'm grateful. I'm relieved. I'm thankful to God. But at the same time, I'm still praying. Sign your favorite homegirl.
Hey, Will. <laughs> hey, Tracy. How's it going? Fine. How's your day been going so far? Uh, a little crazy. <laughs> I got on. some car repairs I, I got to get done. Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Anything major? Uh, I need a starter for my oh, truck. Oh, that's not too bad. It's not too bad. I'm going to try it? to do it myself, but um, we're going to see. Listen, if you can fix a starter, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna start calling you. <laughs> <laughs> I can. <laughs> I, I have. I feel like that. We're gonna see if, if, if this one's gonna work out the same way. Listen, we're gonna but. claim it because <laughs> <laughs> the part it's the labor that costs them. It's, 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 it's the labor, like the part is nothing unless you go to the dealership and then they want you know three arms and five legs for their parts. <laughs> you can go to AutoZone somewhere. And get it much, much cheaper. I remember I had to replace an alternator, and uh, I swear the dealership told me six hundred dollars for the part. I went to the AutoZone; it's like a hundred fifty. Listen, I'm gonna start calling you. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't, don't be trying to ignore my call. <laughs> well, to my listeners, today on the show I have a returning guest, and that is Will Pugh. And we're going to talk today about, I'm going to pick his uh, financial accounting brain, and we're going to talk a bit about wills, trust, and wealth building. And this started out as a conversation we had on the phone one day. We started out talking about uh, Joe Manchin and (laughs) and how he's trying, you know, the perception is he's trying to hijack the Democratic Party and be the... um, what is the bipartisan yep. person? To, you know, I'm not going to leave the Republicans out. And we're like, yep. fuck the Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, right? <laughs> and we had a good we're conversation. We're in charge now. Right. <laughs> and we had a good conversation about that. But that led to, I don't know, we, we talk and then it goes into different directions. And we ended up talking about wills, trust, wealth building. I was like, oh, man, we should have been on the Zoom. And this could right? be a great episode. <laughs> I was I was learning some things for myself. So we're going to pick his brain. And I'm going to tell you what, what made it important to me. So for where I work, I share an office. And I'm the only mm-hmm. Black person in that office. Mm-hmm. And it's two white men and a white woman. And I'm not saying all of them are under are less educated than me but I know at least one of them is Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that person and they're always talking about like well when my parents left me this land and Mm -hmm. and then the one of them is like well you know my stocks are doing such and such and such and my grandfather left this land and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting here in a negative $200,000 <laughs> with more degrees than anybody. <laughs> I'd be feeling some type of way. <laughs> but as we talked about it, and we explained that our, our families, our ancestors didn't have that privilege yeah. of passing down wealth from one generation to the next, which would have put us in a better position. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to talk about that and maybe try to get some understanding around what is wealth, how do we pass it down, why will is important. So this is probably going to be not a very structured conversation, but we're going to try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, no, so I guess my first question would be, what is considered wealth? Okay. 
So I define in a sense around the, the financial spectrum, right? And and to get technical, it, it's basically your net assets, right? Mm-hmm. All your all the assets that you have, cash, property, um, investments, retirement. Um, maybe you have some paintings and, and stuff like that that's worth some money or any type of antiques or whatever case that some people have, just anything of uh, that's worth something that you could sell and get something for it, right? That somebody pay you um, uh, some value for it. And then minus any kind of amounts that you owe, credit card, debt, mortgages, um, money that you borrowed from somebody, whatever the case is, right? So any liabilities that you you kind of owe on some of that car loans, um, and then that'll get you down to your what well, your financial net worth, your financial or your wealth, your, your financial wealth, right? Because there's different forms of wealth, but we're primarily talking about financial wealth here. Um, but there's some non-financial stuff that can, uh, or would appear to be non-financial stuff that can also impact your wealth, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So one is, and I always would talk to people about this when they retire and when you should retire and whatever the case is and what your retirement look like. And I always talk about the biggest piece of the puzzle, or one of the biggest piece of the puzzle is uh, health, right? And who's that? The, the guy used to be the, uh, was it Zachary something used to be the, that over the health department for Dallas County used to say your health is your wealth. Mm-hmm. There's some relatively truth in that. So when you retire, if you're in bad health, you're going to need more money, right? Because you have more doctor bills and, and medical expenses and stuff like that. So it will impact your, your wealth, uh, your health will. So, uh, so sometimes you could, you could factor it in, but the technical side of it is just any assets that you have minus any liabilities to get you to your network your network of what people consider uh, when, they're, when they're measuring people's wealth. Like when Forbes released their list of the top billionaires and stuff like that. I just, I, and I guess I, I'm just sitting here taking notes because I'm trying to learn. Um, mm-hmm. That's just amazing to me because you never think about that. I never thought about health impacting my wealth mm-hmm. until like recently because I'll yeah. be 50 soon. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. what makes me say I want to take the early retirement Mm -hmm. is because I want to spend basically I'm I'm looking at it as like an average game so Mm -hmm. we get an average salary spread out over our lifetime I can always get Mm -hmm. it's gonna be the same amount you know minus insurance or whatever and I'm like the longer I work the less they getting more out of me than I'm getting Mm -hmm. out of them so Law of averages. If I if I tap out early, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm healthier too. Yeah. Whereas if I stay longer, I'm less like I'm more likely to have those health issues. And mm-hmm. then, like especially in education, we see a lot of people return and have to work part time because they can't afford, you know, whatever health issues. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And and then it was also interesting that you included antiques and paintings mm-hmm. as investments, stocks, all of that, minus yeah. liabilities. I'm listening. All my wealth is liabilities, credit. <laughs> no, you guys have that yeah. <laughs> A lot of times people, people don't know the, the worth of stuff, right? It, right. It, of themselves, mm-hmm. of you know, assets and stuff that they got. They really don't know the wealth, the, the worth of it, because sometimes you look at it in the perspective of, okay, I have some, let's say I have some, some land, or, mm-hmm. or let's say my parents, passed away or something left me a house, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll look at wealth as, well, I can go and sell this house for $100,000, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what the house is worth if you were to sell it. 
right? But what if I were to keep the house and rent the house out, right? Yeah. I guarantee it's worth more than $100,000, right? Because it, I could rent it out until I pass away or something. And so it's just how we think about it. Um, I think we need to, we just really need to think about it differently uh, okay. than what we have been. Okay, so I guess that's a good question. How have we typically, especially Black people, thought about wealth? Because what I see, put it like this, as I sat there and had the conversation, well, listen to the conversations, because I usually try to mind my own business in the office, being. <laughs> but we see... Like I and I was sitting there thinking, like, okay, I'm I'm still my car is ten years old. Mm-hmm. I I don't look like I've been to college. <laughs> my house, I got a little plot of land <laughs> in a halfway decent neighborhood. <laughs> Sometimes, I but I could look wealthier if yeah, I went into yeah. more debt. I could have yeah. a newer car. Yeah. I could have a bigger home, but I would yeah. be in more debt. So. Yeah. Uh, to me, I should have done this when I was younger, which is sacrificed and maybe kept my cars when I were younger, longer, yeah. you know, saved more, bought a house then. So, but now I'm like, okay, now you it's not too late. You can still do it. So I'm sacrificing now, like, okay, your car is old, but it's paid for. You can get out of debt mm-hmm. and then start to, you know, get in the black, I guess. And so to me, what I think we think wealth is stuff or yeah. like material yeah. things, but yeah. you, you talk to me about that. Am I right? Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you- I think, I think, yeah, our definition of, of wealth uh, now is different from where our forefathers, our, our grandparents and great grandparents and stuff like that thought about it because I think they had a little bit, they had a, a definitely completely different view than what we have at least overall. Um, and they didn't really have so much when they thought about it, because we do veer through the lens of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 um, like you like you were talking about, yeah, I can look like I'm wealthy, right? But looks are that mean they're meaningless. They're, there's nothing to it. And yeah, somebody has a car, you know, and have a really nice car, but a car is a depreciating asset, as we always mm-hmm. talk about, right? The value of it goes down continuously, right? It's always going to go down the value of your house does not, right? So if I say, do I want to go buy a $100,000 car or do I want to go buy a $100,000 house? Mm-hmm. And I want to buy a $100,000 house because in, in particular in the market that we're in now, um, you're in you know, five plus years, your house could theoretically double in value. Whereas that $100,000 vehicle now is probably worth 20, right? Um, and so that's, you know, money out the door. So, uh, so we don't, we do think about it as in stuff and people, and like I said, cause he, I, I remember I had a, this guy I used to work for in high school. And like, if you saw him, you was like, okay, this is a bum off the street. The dude was a millionaire, <laughs> right? Because of how he, he viewed things and, and going through and really thinking about the best use of his money. Am I going to use my money in such a way where it's going to give me something back? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to use it in a way that I'm not going to get something back, and that's what we've done, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, for Black people, we are we are we we're kind of in a, a mode where we're a consumption-driven kind of community, right? We just we consume and we spend, right? Even with technology, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really use technology in such a way that it will earn us something. We use it in such a way that it's gonna we're just consuming it. It doesn't mm-hmm. like I can sit on watch YouTube videos all day long, and if it's some crazy stuff, I don't get anything for it, right? But I also could watch YouTube videos where I'm learning something and I can use that knowledge and then turn it in, into some some sort of 
asset or cash flow or something going forward. But the big part of this is how we view it. We, we're, we're definitely a spin type, uh, as a community, a spin type mentality. And it, there's reason for that. So it's not just, it comes out of the blue, right? To a certain extent, if you never, if you never been taught it, then you don't yeah. know, right? But that's that's the mode we're in. We're spinning. And, and it was funny because um, this happened a couple of years ago. And I was like, I was thinking about it. And I was like, why is it that we, you know, kind of operate in the way that we operate when it comes to money and wealth and stuff? And I think I came to, I had this little epiphany and I came to the conclusion of the way we operate. And this is not just blacks. This is anybody who has you know very little money is uh, you operate on the basis of your bank account balance, right? And so you're so used to not having much or like so I can barely make ends meet or mm-hmm. short or whatever the case is. So the bank balance is always low, right? And so when there's extra money in it, we we just spend it because we're not used to <laughs> having extra money, right? So we get a tax refund, we get, maybe you get a little bit of inheritance to somebody left you a little something, maybe you get a little lawsuit settlement or something. And it ends up going away because you don't know what you never been taught what to do with it when you got something extra. Yeah. And uh, and so I think that's one one way that we think that we have to change that. It's the opportunity to get some stuff you've never had. It's like, oh, now I can buy yep. this. Yeah. Listen, yep. I have I have things to do with my <laughs> right. That's, and that's what it is. People wait. People literally wait because i'm one of those people say you should not be getting a big tax refund so something's going wrong when you get a big tax refund hey hey people like it because they wait that whole year it's like they, they got it they got that list like i get my refund and i'm gonna buy this 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 and this right uh, and that's how we think and we and, and think about it sometimes but that's what- we, I was Sometimes we know better, but mm-hmm. we, 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 but that's we what I saw coming up. It's like, when you get your tax refund, you can do more. You can do but more. But now, you know, seeing some, el- some, some of my elders in my family, eventually that stops, you know, mm-hmm. when your kids get old and they, they start to get their yep. own, you know, yep. jobs and you can't carry them anymore yep. or if you make more money eventually you yep. don't have a refund and so yep. that's me now like okay how do you start to change your habits so that you're not constantly waiting for the financial windfall mm-hmm. and the income is more consistent throughout the year versus this one time a year so yeah it's it's, it's trying to and it's it's a it's a it's a tough lift for us to to kind of change people's perspective to say hey if you did you know this with your money right and in particular when you're talking about with people who don't have a whole bunch of money if you're trying to get them to do something a little bit different it's just it's hard to convince them when they haven't seen it before right and yeah. particularly when money is tight and that's the problem right money is tight i can't afford to go and do this that and the other and i always say i can look at anybody's finances right for most people not anybody but the vast majority of people's finances, I can find some money that you could do something a little bit different with it and that will help build you some long-term wealth. Um, and so it just, people just got to make some some tough choices in some sense and some sacrifices and just learn some things differently that they otherwise didn't know, right? And so mm-hmm. one of the things it's like is um, you talked about, you started talking about retirement. And uh, so anything in the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you take that, for instance, um, the stock market is tried and true, right? The, you know, the stock market has been going since the 20s, right? Uh, and on average, it does about, you know, six, 7% uh, return. So 
and your, your bank account's doing something less than 1% generally. Um, so it's tried and true. Like it goes up, it goes down, but over the long run, it, it does pretty good. And that's a space that we don't play in or, or we, we're not in as much as we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but a lot of people think, that, oh, it's risky. I'm not putting my money, I'm gonna lose it, right? But there's a way to put your money into the market where, yeah, you could lose it, right? don't get me wrong. But there's a way that you could put it into the market where you minimize that risk and you're able to earn money off of it, right? And you're able to, that's something you're able to grow, you're able to see it. And I always try to get people to just take a little bit of money and just, you know, start it, you know, just play with it. Yeah, you know, take a little extra money and just play with it and get comfortable with it. And then you can see what it does. And then once you get that level of comfort with it, then you say, okay, I think I'm gonna do a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not it's not so foreign with you. And so it's so foreign with us because we're not taught it, right? You know, that the, the vast majority of black kids that leave their parents home when they turn 18 have not been taught uh, anything about financial literacy, or very little about financial literacy. They don't know much about it. Me included, you probably in the same bucket. It just didn't get taught. My financial literacy lesson was you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Look, <laughs> <laughs> my 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 great grandma had a had a saying, right? That now that lady was good with some money, right? Mm. Um and, and and my mom was pretty good with money, but they was good with money as far as and good with how to spend it and make it stretch as long as they could. Mm-hmm. But my my great grandma used to have all this, this saying, she said, save a nickel, spend a nickel. Which mm-hmm. basically it's like say half your money. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and the thing about it is if you teach a kid that they could probably do it as an adult, yeah. but like, you know, coming to an adult right now and say, say half your money, they can look at you crazy. They, they can't do it. <laughs> it's impossible. Right? Uh, uh, but if you start, if you, if you were doing it as a kid, then you could do it as an adult. Yes. Right. That's true. Because you're managing your spending. I tell, I tell any of my, uh, Mentees, like when you go out and when you start your first job all on your own, I said, uh, figure out how much you want to save first. Mm-hmm. So figure out how much you want to save. And then once you peel that out, then the rest of it you can spend on your living expenses and whatever else it is, right? And when you take that approach, um, it's much easier. But if you go out, if you think about this, if you graduate from college or whatever the case is, and you go out and you get your first little job, right? So you go buy your car, you go get your apartment, right? Um, that car is a, usually a five, six, even seven year commitment now, right? Uh, that apartment at least a year commitment. Mm-hmm. So right there, you lock yourself into some costs that for that car, you can't change it over you know, six, seven years. And that apartment, you can't change over a year. You just locked in. And so now you try to figure out, okay, Man, I can't save anything because my car note is seven hundred dollars and my apartment is is fifteen hundred dollars, right? And so, dang, I ain't got nothing left, right? Right. But if you had thought about your savings on the front end, you could say, "Well, I ain't going to get a fifteen hundred dollar apartment. I'm right. going to go get a thousand dollar one, or I'm going to go get a three hundred dollar car, right?" And you can make some choices different because at that point, that savings was the most important thing to you than the spending thing, and we need to change in that respect and put a, a whole lot more emphasis on spending. But there's a mentality that we have in the black community that are basically is keeping us from building wealth, mm-hmm. right? And um, uh, one, of, one of them is, and you hear people say this all the time, I can't take it with me. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, you cannot. 
Right? Or you can. I mean, we can throw it in the casket. I go dig you up later and get it out. <laughs> like but, the Egyptians. <laughs> right, the Egyptians, right? You're going to mummify it with you. So you, can't t- <laughs> so you can't take it with you. True. However, you have a legacy that you want to leave, right? You may have, you know, children. You may have nieces, uh, nieces and nephews, other family members, non-family members, charities, right? that you may want to uh, leave money to so that you can leave a legacy with your money. And so, so that's one thing we got to stop saying is I can't take it with me. You're not building it for you, right? Not only you, you build it also for your, your legacy that you want to leave that, that, that after, well, after you gone, you could be still making an impact. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Uh, two is, and this is a real pet peeve of mine. Okay. Anytime we do not like talking about money, right? And, and in particular, with, with our kids, right? So kid, if a kid go and ask their mom how much they make or their dad how much they make, the first thing they're going to say is that's none of your business. That's our <laughs> notorious thing is like none of your business. The hell it is. <laughs> it is their business, right? And, uh, um, and it's your business to teach it to them. And we're so hesitant to talk about, you know, how much we make, the salaries and, and, and expenses and stuff like that. How, and so your kids are always starting from zero almost, right? Mm-hmm. You started from zero, your kids started from zero. Your kids should start from where you are. Could you imagine that? My kids gonna start from where I am. Mm-hmm. Their kids gonna start from where they are because they gonna take what I give them. They gonna learn some more. And so by the time their kids come along, they learn some more. And so their kids gonna start from where they are. Why would you make your kids start from scratch? Yeah. Versus having them start from the base knowledge you have. And the only way, because, and, and, and I've argued with this about some of my friends, I said, well, their parents don't know anything. I said, no, they know something. They might know not, they might not know the exact right way to do it, but they know what didn't work. Right. So you know what you did that didn't work. Oh, I went and got them payday loans and I should never gotten them payday loans. So, hey, don't go get any payday loans, right? Figure out another way. But, and so we got to start really teaching them about and teaching them through our own experiences because people don't like to do that when their experiences may have some failures in it. But it's not a failure if you learn something. Yeah, that's right. True. And so, and it's not a failure if you teach your kid that and they end up avoiding that mistake that you made. There's nothing wrong with it. That's how you, you could teach a lot of things through the mistakes and things that you made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like I said, the stuff I, I, if I could go back and do some things differently, clearly I would, those are the things I tell my mentees and stuff now. It's like, hey, do this or do that, right? And so we got to get out of this mode of that we don't like talking about our own personal finances, in particular with our children. You ain't got to talk about it, nobody else, but at least with your kids, you should talk about it. But in theory, we should talk about it with one another mm-hmm. because it helps us, right? Could you imagine you on a job and you're a principal at your school and then and you talking to another principal at another school and you find out it's like, and because and, y'all had that type of relationship, it's like, man, they paying me $20,000 less than they're supposed to be paying for me, right? Um, and so companies have generated this thing where people won't talk about compensation mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, because they threaten people when they talk about it and they don't, they don't want you to talk about it because they don't want you to find out that there's some pay disparities. Yeah. <laughs> and that hurts us uh, because we, we then take that out into our families and our larger community because we won't talk about it. And we have to stop, talk, we have to start talking about that. Is there's no, you can't do, I can give you my salary all day long. Ain't nothing you can do with 
<laughs> right? I can tell you my bills, whatever the case is. You can't. <laughs> like, all thing you can do is pay. No, not exactly. I think though it might be some um sometimes, especially with being the educator of the group of my friends, usually my friends are corporate America. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about my salary because I'm like, ooh, they gonna look we, we already know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> True. But just take our salary, divide it by five, then we get to a teacher base, right? So it's uh sometimes maybe some um non-financial things around your salary mm-hmm. or feelings around yeah. salary or whatever and it's like i'm not poor but i'm poor yeah you know? it, it's not and just so it's like, just not just talking around it because it's not just talking about it right because some people some people love talking about their salary right because mm-hmm. they make good salary whatever mm-hmm. it's talking about it with a purpose right so yeah. if you're just sitting there it's like well i make this and i make that you're not really not talking about it with a purpose right talking about it with a purpose is is really like you sitting down with some some people, especially in the same profession, right? Mm-hmm. And, and giving pointers on career mobility and stuff like that, that clearly impacts your wealth or with your kids or your family, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Members of your family and trying to help them kind of get up there, right? Um, and so it's, it's talking about with some level of purpose and just not to be talking about. So somebody can say, oh, I know what you know Tracy's salary is. <laughs> they ain't what the point of it is. It's like, okay, I want to go in education. I want to be a principal one day so I have an idea of mm-hmm. kind of what that looks like or I have a deal with living expenses because you think about how many kids that leave their mom's house and they don't understand what the full scope of the bills are right mm-hmm. like if you had your own apartment like what are all the bills I could have and what does what does those look like right how much right. Rent typically is and so what, what's wrong with sitting down with your kids even if you don't want to talk about your salary and saying hey here's all our bills bam List them out, exact amounts. Mm-hmm. Here's what my bills are, right? And so, and then you could back into that. Say, well, to cover these bills, you need to make at least X amount of money, right? And uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because then that gives kids idea of that they what they need to kind of really work towards because sometimes they don't, right? Mm-hmm. They they just out here flailing and win. And I and I tell my mentees all the time. I said, your job is to is find something to do that's good that, that will help you uh take care of yourself because your yeah. mama and your mom and dad ain't supposed to do it right and so i don't care what it is but you need to be able to live independently of them and uh and that's the type of job or whatever case that you need to go get and then to help build some level of wealth to where like i said you ain't got to depend on folks that you know to help provide for you so because one of the questions I had was, how do we start to be a wealth? So you would say maybe the first step to building wealth is changing our attitude. Stop saying you can't take it with us. <laughs> right. so, changing our attitudes, then start to talk about finances, but talk about it with a purpose. It has to be some type of um, mission behind these conversations yeah. that we have. So yeah. uh, is there anything else that you would add to yeah, and, and talk, talk. I think what I just said it's like really teaching your kids, mm-hmm. right? And 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 teaching and teaching your kids um, uh, uh, about wealth, even if you don't know it, right? You teach them what you have, what you know, but then go out and find somebody else to, to fill the gap in, right? And then mm-hmm. teach them the difference. And I tell anybody, I I, I think I posted on my Facebook page before. And I talk all the time about, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know it, if you can't find somebody, hell, call me, message me, 
I will do it <laughs> for you, right? Um, because, but there's a lot of free resources and stuff out there like that that you can go and get that type of information, but you can't find any, I do it for you and your kids. Um, and so I think that's the biggest piece of it because uh, that piece there, we could change it in a generation. Okay. Right. If you teach the kids, you could change in a generation. Right. So, that's something that you could, it, it's, it's, it's like a flipping on a switch. Okay. Right. It's, it's, it's a whole lot different. If you look at the kind of racial issues we got in the country, just race issues, you can't change that in a generation. Right. No. But, but the, but the financial, the wealth aspect that you could change in generation, all you got to do is the generation of kids that's the kids that are here now, if you teach it them by the time they leave high school, that they got a good sense of, of financial literacy, they will be much better with money. Okay. So, much but how do we become much better? Like, say me. The adults. I'm, yes. Because <laughs> I, 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 I have trauma. I have financial trauma. <laughs> that's what that, I got. That, but that, I diagnosed that, myself. That, but, but that's the thing, right? So, because it, it, we're, we're terrified of money. Mm -hmm. I don't right? like talking about it. I don't like yeah, reading about it. I don't it. like looking at my bank account. I, yeah. I text you a question because I try to seek knowledge. But most often people who teach wealth, there's this lady, Lynn Richardson. I love her to death <laughs> until she started really talking about money. And then this other lady called the budget Nista. Her first name is Tiffany. I don't know her last name. Mm -hmm. The only person I can somewhat listen to is mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey, but he's low key. He's touched. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, but they start talking real fast. Yeah. And I get immediately turned off because mm -hmm. like you said, I don't want to lose money. And you're yep. talking too fast, I'm going to mess something yep. up and I'm going to make a decision that is going to hurt my pocketbook. Yep. So I'd rather yep. just keep living like I'm living. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, learning these yeah. things and learn them wrong and then and then I'm pissed off. <laughs> and it's like they talk fast, like they, they're trying yeah. to help, but their speech, their patterns. Yeah. reminds me of hustlers that I grew up with. You, yeah. You're talking fast. You finna try to and, ask people something. And, and, and I'm going to tell you all of them are hustlers, right? To some respect. Yeah. And and like some of these people I don't know, right? I don't listen to them. But mm -hmm. they are hustlers to a certain extent because I tell you, I tell people this. Like if they're selling a product somewhere <laughs> down the way, they're hustling in some sense, right? Mm -hmm. Could be bad, could be good, whatever. But they are because you're selling a product and some, um, somebody is paying for something along the way. Mm -hmm. Will it help you if you use it in the right way? Uh, yep. I'm not saying it, it doesn't, but they're trying to sell something. And so and that fast talking sometimes is okay. synonymous with salesman, right? But I, I do tell people this with anything, particular finances, but it, with anything, if you don't understand it, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. But <laughs> it's incumbent on, on you to go get a better understanding of it. Right. Because like you said, I listened to, you know, Dave Ramsey or whatever the case is, and I didn't understand what he was saying. Right. So but there may be somebody else out there who who can teach it to you in such a way that you can't understand it, uh, because you, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take somebody from where they are and then kind of get them to where they need to be. Dave Ramsey, when he's done his speeches or any of these guys, they're talking to an audience with varying levels of financial knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of the bigger the audience, it's harder to hit because you they don't want to talk too low because then people's like, well, you tell me stuff I already know, mm -hmm. right? If you go too high, then it's like, well, I have no idea what the heck he's saying. So they're trying to strike this balance with a little bit harder. But when you get personal one-on-one, -on -one, 
then uh, our smaller groups, then it's, it's easier to hit people, in particular if they kind of in the same ram and trying to get them at the, at their at their level. Uh, and so, but uh, and so that's what you're trying to like. I don't listen to them. I don't listen to those people, right? Because I, I I call them shysters to a certain extent because there's some of them they they sell these prepaid debit cards and all this other silly stuff that's basically ducking people out of money and trying to say it's better than what the banks are doing. It may be better than what the banks are doing, but you're still ducking people out of money when they can do the same thing for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, so part of it is like it's really if you don't understand the person, the person yeah leave them alone, right? Mm-hmm. They're not, and, and just go seek somebody else. Cause that's a lot of free stuff out there too. Mm-hmm. But knowledge is gonna be the base of it because we are terrified by money, right? Any aspect of money, because we're terrified because it's the source. We feel like it's the source of all, a lot of our misery, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what we're terrified of it. So we shun it, right? I got a bill coming up next week and I, ain't, I don't know how the heck I'm gonna pay for it. So I act like it doesn't exist. Well, the bill is going to come and do it like it doesn't or not. So it really, you really need to kind of take it head on. And the better you, the better you educate yourself on different financial tools, the better able you're able to kind of get through those things. It's going to be tough, but you can kind of get through it. But you got to, you got to take this fear of, take this fear away of this fear of money. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can take that way is you got to educate yourself. And you generally going to have to sit down with somebody one-on-one. But go back to what I was saying before. We have this issue of talking about our own personal money situations. So I, you can't ever get educated if you never want to talk about it, <laughs> right? And talk about it honestly, right? I can tell you this. I'm probably, if I look at it from my family's perspective, right? And it ain't no me bragging or anything like that. I probably know more about finances than just about anybody in my family, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think I know more about any of them, right? Uh, based on the ones I know, right? You think they come ask me about money? <laughs> you probably make them feel bad. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I ain't even gonna lie about it. But because, you know what I'm telling you why, right? Mm-hmm. Because some stuff we do, we know it's silly business and stuff <laughs> that we shouldn't do. But we do it in the sake of, I'm making myself feel good. I'm making myself happy. Well, that's temporary happiness. You're gonna be miserable when you turn 60 or 65 and you've got bad arthritis because you you on your, stood on your feet your whole life working and now you really can't go to work and now you ain't really, your social security, whatever, is not enough. And so you're going to be in a tight spot, right? Mm-hmm. When you can make some small, just it's small incremental changes. You know, the earlier you make them, the better. That is make It makes that point a whole lot better, right? Okay. Once you hit those years. And so, yeah, I, I'm going to make you feel bad for doing stupid stuff. Because when you know you did stupid stuff, yes, I'm gonna call you out and I'm gonna tell you because <laughs> because otherwise you ain't gonna get it. And I, I don't know any other way. Like I'm not gonna sweet talk it. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have done that. It's like, what the hell were you thinking about? <laughs> Who told you to go buy a new car? What's wrong with you? <laughs> no comment. And so, if, if you want to educate yourself, what? what resources or what like books or what would you recommend that, that you go to doing? uh it's funny so uh dang it um i can't remember i have to go back and get this book but um i can't remember the guy's name now but there's a book i read when i was in college and um uh, i'm gonna go back and get that book uh I, I think i still have it somewhere but i bought a book and that's where i got my first taste of it because I, like i told you i was always i had a natural talent for money 
right? Mm-hmm. And I always have since I was a little, I've known it since I was a little kid, right? I could save some money and, and hold on to some money. Did like my older brother's complete opposite, right? <laughs> that joke, it, it, it hits his hand and it evaporates. It hits my hand and it sticks, right? <laughs> uh, and so, and so. And so, uh, uh, so I always, always had the natural, but when I got to college, I think I read that book and I started, start, at least started turning it in my mind. Uh, and then when I got out to working, I still didn't know nothing, right? When I started working. And so, uh, but you, you're trying to, you figure it out as you go, right? And because and, I'm more financially inclined, so I'm listening, right? Um, and so that's what happened for me. So I self-educated myself on everything from a financial perspective. But for most people, like there's different, it's fun. It's like no single source that you can go somewhere and get Mm -hmm. some information. But one source would be like, if you work a job and you have a 401k, Mm a 403b, a 457b, a a pension plan or something of that sort, your company has some resources that are available to you because they have whoever that company that they're hiring hiring to manage that retirement plan, they have resources. You can pick those folks up on the phone. We Like my company, we pay, we pay them money so they could talk to our people if they got questions. Mm-hmm. So that's first and foremost. That's You're already paying for it, right? Your company is paying for it, which means you ultimately paying for it somehow. So, uh, so that's one set of resources when you got these retirement plans, that there's resources at your company and you can go talk to. These people have no incentive. This is the thing. They have no incentive to try to sway you one direction or another, right? Because they already getting paid. Your money's already in that plan. So they have no incentive to try to steer you in a direction that you shouldn't go. Uh, so that's one resource that people can go from there. And if most people kind of put money into those retirement plans at work, for the vast majority of people, that would be sufficient, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you want to do something else outside of that, it depends on what that is. So if you want to get into the stock, stocks and things like that. TD Ameritrade, although they're getting bought by Schwab now, um, but TD Ameritrade, if you go YouTube, go on YouTube and search for TD Ameritrade, they have some really, really good content, some really good videos about different things, about stocks, about bonds, about IRAs, you name it. You Google it and you Google TD Ameritrade. They have some real, and they're they're not no long-winded videos and stuff like that, right? Like, because most people don't understand just the basic concept of stock. They have a really good video that give you the basics of what it means to own a stock and what that is, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then if you want deeper stuff, they got some stuff that goes into deeper, deeper um, kind of content. So that's, you know, a resource that I always steer people to, uh, to kind of, uh, to go there. And again, um, clearly they want you to put your investor money with them. But these videos are, that's just videos that they put out there for educational purposes. And they probably one of the best brokerage firms out there for education. And then the uh, next resource is like, just find somebody you trust that, that knows about finances, right? You, because I'm coming. <laughs> so, because if you somebody at your church, at your job, in your family, in your community, I guarantee you there's somebody you know who knows something about finances who can at least and maybe they can't take you all the way where you need to go, but they can take you from where you are to the next stage, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just find somebody else. You know, and, and when people tell me they can't find somebody, I, that's, I, that's the biggest lie from the pits of hell. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, you ever heard this concept of six degrees of separation? Yeah. That we're, 
with six, you know, basic steps from any person in the world. That that is true. I did it, and we did it in a um, uh, at a, a conference, a seminar I, I was in, and this is a for a black. This is a black seminar, mm -hmm. for, uh, and uh, I think less than six degrees, we got to the Pope. Oh wow! In that room, right? Less than six. And I'm like, wow. And so that tells me that you're you're close to somebody who can kind of give you that personal aspect of, and most people are willing to do it free. Like you should be paying for any of these. People go to these seminars, pay all this money, they're crazy as hell, right? And then they're paying money to people who have no idea what they're talking about. I was this too, so I was hot. It was probably a few months ago. It was a few months ago, last year, early this year maybe. I was hot, I was really hot because I saw this, this video that was shared about this guy who was giving some financial advice. Mm -hmm. His financial advice, he's basically telling people don't, don't invest in your retirement plans at work. It's some advice he looked. And so I listened to it because I'm like, this is intriguing. And so <laughs> then I listened to another one of his videos. And then I went and looked him up on LinkedIn, trying to figure out what his background was and stuff like this. This guy is not a, he, he, this guy, he doesn't have a degree in finances or anything like that. He doesn't have a certification, any kind of financial kind of profession. He don't have any of that, but he's a financial coach and he's, he ain't licensed to do anything. Right. But he out here giving people financial advice and giving them wrong financial advice and telling them that he can, you know, you, you work with him. He can make you all this money and stuff like that. And he's cherry picking stuff. And, and some sitting looking at us like, yeah, I was pissed for a couple of days <laughs> and I almost want to go on Facebook and just put him on blast. Right. Cause I don't know him. <laughs> I'm trying to know, I know some people who know him and, um, and, but I didn't, but it's like, those are the kind of people you don't listen to because find somebody who has some credentials. Well, usually what I try to do, if it's something that comes up and I'm, I'm a Libra anyway, so I, mm -hmm. it's going to take me a while to think some stuff through anyway, which is why I struggle with people who talk so fast. You, I need to think that through yep. and I'll call people I've feel like have financial background and say, what do you think about this? Okay. We're going to switch gears a little bit and touch on wheels and trust. What's the yeah. difference? What's a wheel? What's a trust? Should we yeah. have them? And why? Yeah. why so the, I'm going to tell you this, the vast majority of black people don't have either one of them. Right. Wow. And it costs you money. Wheels right. Cost. It costs you money. A wheel only costs. Yeah. It's going to cost you. Because the reason it's going to cost you, it depends, right, uh, what, a, what type of assets you have. But a will is basically, a, is both of them legal documents, but a will is, you know, kind of not, shouldn't be all that complicated, but basically giving instructions on what you want done with your stuff when you die, right? Very simple. Um, and it's, you have to have it notarized. You have to have a couple witnesses or whatever the case is, but you're giving instructions. And it could be financial stuff and it could be non-financial. You could say what church you want to have your funeral at, where mm -hmm. you want to be buried, you want to be buried next to your mom or something or whatever. Um, you just, you give whatever instructions you want to, you want to give. And then there's an aspect there where you will give, you will say where you want your uh, assets to go. Uh, because anytime somebody died with any assets you're, you're in and people need to get those assets it's going to, have to be probating which means you got to go to court right and that the so the court can determine that your how the assets should go you know are determined appropriately right mm -hmm. uh and so it's easier when you have a will because you've left some instructions because mm -hmm. every state's got laws 
of how stuff's supposed to be divided up in the instances where you don't have it, right? Um, and so do you want the state to, <laughs> to determine how your stuff should go or do you want to determine how it should go? And that will gives you the opportunity to, uh, to divide that up. So let's say you got a house, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and let's say you got, you know, you're single and you got, you know, five kids, but you don't really want your house to be divided around those five rascals. You want it to go to one. Well, mm -hmm. your will, you can say, especially if they're, uh, uh, you're, they're over age, right? Over 18. Uh, you can say, well, I want my house to go to this one, right? But if, if you die without a will, then your house generally is going to get divided between the five, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and so you just, because like I said, you should think about it in terms of what you want to leave as your legacy, right? Because I tell anybody, I don't want my stuff to get pissed in the wind the minute I, I turn cold, right? <laughs> so I want to I wanted structure it in such a way that it will you know, live on and do some level of good after I'm gone. And so you have to think about that because a lot of times as parents and stuff like that, when it comes to our children, we want to be fair, right? You want to be fair with your minor children, but you ain't got to be fair with your grown children or equal, not fair, but equal. And it's like, you know, because some of them, if I know I'm going to give this some money, he's going to go and do stupid stuff with it. I, I want to give him money, right? But it's your choice. It right. is clearly your choice. And so a will allows you to kind of do that, right? Mm -hmm. But there's one drawback to a will. Mm -hmm. It can be contested in court, right? The validity of it was the validity of it, uh, uh, the person went in their right mind, they didn't, this don't look like it's their signature, you know, um, you know, that here's another will. You think about Aretha Franklin, yeah. right? All these stars that died, right? These big time stars. I don't think any of them have a will. Craziest thing ever. What, they got all prince, kinds of money. Prince didn't leave Prince didn't have one. Aretha didn't have one. Aretha had some, they found one in a couch cushion. She was watching the halves. That the was ham. scribbled and was not signed. For you, for you people that 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 watched Queen Sugar, he, you know, the first season, the daddy died. He had, I think, he had a will. Mm -hmm. No, he might not have had a will. I think I can't remember. But you know, they assume all of his, all the properties can go to all three of them. But then they found he had a handwritten note in some little box over here. And, you know, and so, to go to Ralph Angel, <laughs> right? To go to Ralph Angel. So, so it. it so it's like what it's it's like it's hard to talk to this particular older people, just black people in general, about this stuff because they don't like to talk about death. It's like it's not about death. It's like it's it's about what you want to happen, what you want, what you want part of your legacy to be. Yeah. And we have that issue again. Let's go back to before. We won't talk about won't talk about money with our kids. We we uh we don't want to talk about you know what we're gonna leave because it's like uh, I can't take it with me. And then we don't we just don't want to talk about any aspect of it. If you look at uh, was this Prince Philip who died, mm -hmm. right? That man had planned his his funeral and all that stuff years ago, right? Um, and so, and there's nothing wrong with it. And I wish more people really think about doing it that way because when you it, let's say you let's say you left a house, right? You um, let's say you uh, God forbid you have a family member that died. That a family, uh, let's say a person died. They had some adult children. They had a house and left the children to the house. They wanted children to get the house, whatever, but they didn't have a will, right? You have to go probate that in court to establish that those are the children mm -hmm. and that there are no more. Because you may think, it maybe it's your dad, and you may think it's only three of you, right? But maybe dad has you know, a few more children over here, mm -hmm. right, that y'all don't even know about. Because that happens all the time when folks show up, show up at funerals. And the, the kid, the other kid and daddy knew about it, but y'all didn't know. 
So right. now that asset gets split even more. And so the, the courts will determine that, right? right. And make sure that there's no other people who are heirs, right? And so, and they could not have want that other kid to get anything, right? Mm-hmm. But because there's no will, you got to do it. And that costs you money. That can mm-hmm. cost you thousands of dollars to go through that process. And if you got people contesting, you know, saying that like Chris Issa's kids popping out out everywhere, that means it drags on in court. There's mm-hmm. more lawyer fees and stuff like that. And whereas you could go, go get a will done for probably three, four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And you end up spending thousands um, of dollars on lawyer fees to kind of, you know, to, to deal with it in probate. So that's that's the will, right? A, a, a trust is a little bit different. A trust is harder to contest because a trust is like a person to a certain extent. It's almost like you still live in the way that it's set up. And so because you set it up while you're alive and it, and, um, and you're set up as a revocable trust. So while you're alive, you set it up. But any moment's time, you can change it. Just like a will. Like a will, you can, as long as you change it and sign and get it notarized before you die, you can change it. Uh, um, uh, before you before you pass away, and so that trust is a little bit more difficult for people to contest, and and you could and you have a little bit more control over how you you want stuff carried out, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say, for instance, that same situation where you know, a person died, they had a house, right, and then it didn't have a will, and the kids fighting over whatever the case is. You can literally, and because that's what happens in the will, right? Because you leave it to five, but the five going to argue. Even if you had a will, they're going to argue over, right? Half of them will want to, <laughs> some of them going to want to sell it. Some of them going to want to keep it. And so there's all this confusion about it. Well, if you had a trust, you put that, you make that, you have that house go into the trust and you trust instructions is this house can be never sold, can, can, can't ever be sold. So the house is going to be leased out. And then at the end of each year, whatever the case is, Whatever money is made, we're going to split it up, you know, and, and cut each one of y'all check, right? And so you have a lot more control of what happens with your assets when you have a trust. And you don't see as many people, as particularly black people have those. I don't even have one. Um, but uh, but it, it gives you a whole lot more control. It's particularly if you think people are going to do some crazy stuff. So I think there was a guy, uh, 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 it was a, I think he owned the Raiders. And so his son was on drugs or something, I believe. And so he died. So he had a trust. Mm-hmm. And so he had that sucker set up to where he couldn't get anything as long as he was on drugs. Oh, wow. If he cleaned himself up, then at a certain point, if he cleaned himself up by a certain point, then he could start accessing those funds. And a trust allows you to do that. You can put my a will doesn't allow you to do that. But when you have a will, when you die, they yes, probate it, the money goes out. But in a trust, you can say, like, if you got minor children, or even older children, you said, you know what? You're immature. I want you to have some money, but I want you to grow up first. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put this money in this trust. You can't access all of it until you're 30. But in the meantime, you can access, if you're going to college, they'll pay the tuition, or if you're doing this, maybe they'll pay you some money, but you can't access, you can't get full control of it until you turn 30, right? And a trust allows you that flexibility uh, to do that to where you're, they're not ready to receive it now, but hopefully by the time they hit a certain age, they're ready to receive it. And that, that goes to a, a, another question too, uh, and, and I'll uh, maybe jumping you a little bit, is 
that, and, and the reason that you see a lot of wealthy families do that is because they want their wealth to get passed down to generation mm -hmm. to generation. We have done a piss poor job in passing wealth down from generation to generation. For one, we didn't educate our kids, right? On just financial literacy. Two, we didn't educate them on how to receive the wealth when I'm gone. Mm -hmm. How to receive it, what to do with it, right? Once I'm gone. There was a story of, uh, I think it was in Chicago where a lady, she was, I think she might've been a teacher. So, you know, she was thinking she's a single parent, worked hard, paid her house off. By the time she passed away, she had house was paid off, wherever. And that's a major feat, right? For her, for her generation. Often she left her kids, but she didn't have a will, nothing like that. So, because people are greedy and it's all about money and spending. They want the money so I can spend it. So they sold the house. The house needed some work on it, clearly. And so they went ahead and sold it as is. Guy bought it. Fixed it up. Fixed it up. Sold it for a whole lot more. They were pissed. And you know one of the people you that was pissed at? Bad. They were pissed at their mama. Why? Because they had to spend money on probate because she didn't have a will, right? And they was they just pissed, right? And I'm like, for one, your mom, your mom didn't get taught to, to, to do a will. Mm -hmm. You probably did. And it was your job to try to convince her to do one, right? That's two, because she took what she had in knowledge and built that wealth. You were supposed to build on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so, and you can't make it because y'all didn't want to go put the money into it to, to, to fix the house up. You mad at the world. And when I saw that they was mad at her, I'm like, boy, it's like, y'all wrong for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we don't, we don't, we don't, and, and the wills and the trust, those are mechanisms for you to pass your wealth from one generation to the next. It does us no good for a generation to build wealth if it does not get passed down to the next one properly because it's going to go away. And so basically it's like you worked your whole life for nothing. And so we got to do a much better job of that. I was going to ask too, um, and I think you answered this. I know you did. Uh, should poor people have wheels? Yep. Even if you got, they you got $5, they'll fight over it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my two fifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think you should because sometimes it may be something in the matter of children. You got minor children. You might want to say, "I want them to go here or there." Right? There's there's various reasons, like just wishes, just certain things, and you you don't have to have a lot. Like I said, we don't cost a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's not like it costs a whole bunch of money to do it, mm -hmm. but you know that your wishes are going to get carried out. Right, right. Uh, that you hope that they they know how to contest it, but they hope that they get carried out. So I I, I recommend it for it doesn't matter where you are in life uh, that you you have one. One thing we talked about too on when when we had our you know just our casual conversation was the net worth of black people versus everyone else. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> Let's talk about but, that because I was blown away. But it's a reason for it, right? It, everything is a reason for it, right? But it doesn't mean that we can't do better now. Okay. And so it, like that, the, the white net worth, uh, a white family's net worth is around about 170000 A black family's net worth is around about 17000 And that 17000 is very questionable. Wow. Because I remember a few years ago, I think I read it was 5000 right? So I know it fluctuates and probably because the market is up a little bit, it's gone up a little bit. And so there you have a big gap. It, it basically 10 times, you know, uh, white families would never work as 10 times that of black families. Um, and so uh, and so there's a reason for it, right? You got pay disparities, right? You know, blacks get paid less than whites. 
you know, women get paid less than men. So you got that equation going into there. But also, um, isn't part of the reason is because we don't pass wealth down. Because we don't pass wealth down, right? Because if you if you had a, you think about this, right? If, because <laughs> if you put money in the stock market, generally it will double every eight years, mm-hmm. right? So let's say your parents left you a thousand dollars, right? In eight years, it will be two, right? It will double, and that's two thousand. You 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 just built on it just by mm-hmm. putting it in the stock market, right? And so by maintaining it, keeping it, and doing something with it, right? Um, so you you gotta you gotta a lot of it dissipate, dissipates, right? Once mm-hmm. there. Because think about the because we built some level, you know, our parents generation uh, have, you know, they they started buying houses and stuff. It was extremely difficult. Hard. For them to get houses. Mm. Extremely difficult. Um, but they bought they bought how they were able to get some houses and figure it out at some point. Right. And they didn't. My daddy made minimum wage and somehow that man figured out in uh, some government program or something like that. And he was able to. He was able to get a house. The way he, my grandmother did it, she had to, my uncle was the only one with the, I guess back then a stable job that they considered worthy or credit worthy mm-hmm. to buy a house. So he bought it and then put all of the siblings' names on it and mm-hmm. hers. And that's how they were managed to buy the first home in the, the family. First home. And yep. for it to be passed down from generation to generation. And like you because, said, there's some work we're going to have to do on it, but when I tell you I get a call every day because they think my phone number is his, is my Uncle Marvin. And they just did it the other day. And I was like, leave us alone. Yep. And I wanted to cuss them out. I hate gentrifiers. Yep. You're trash. Yep. They, they want it. They want every it, right? day I get a call or a text. Oh, I saw the property on blah, blah, blah. We want to know if you're in block, delete, yep. Yep. because I know what the vision was. My grandmother, one, my mother's still there. One, she ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. But two, mm-hmm. I know the vision from my, my that my granny had, and we all know it, was that she wanted Keep somewhere where we could all go if we needed a place to stay. Yep. And, so and, and right, it was very hard. And she was probably it, it was, in the 60s when she when they got when it. she got yeah, it, it was it was difficult, but we give it away just so easily, right? Because we want some quick, it's all about quick money, mm-hmm. right? And and you can't you, you gotta you gotta work a little bit for it, right? And you're not working that hard for it because mm-hmm. they did all the hard work, right? All you gotta do is keep it. You gotta keep it. You gotta keep it in the family, right? Yeah. You gotta keep it, or, or at least if you're gonna sell it, take the money and do something else with it that's gonna grow it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, versus sitting on it or versus pissing it away. Uh, do something that's gonna grow it, and and that when you build this kind of generation wealth for your particular family. And that you know there is a it's easier for them to do stuff down the road generations to come right it's, it's thinking beyond yourself and you think about those generations that's going to come behind you and it's not that difficult to do it it's just have a will to do it because we have this need for this money now and just to spend it it's mm-hmm. going like i said and I, and people will probably you know argue me all day long but i said the stuff we're gonna spend it on is some dumb stupid shit, right yeah. it's not even gonna be on stuff that you say okay yep man they they're really putting it to good use no, it's on some silly stuff. Yeah. I, I can promise you it's on some silly stuff. And, and that's the kind of the disappointing side of it is like your grandparents have built up some, what they could 
and you treat it as if it was nothing, right? And just did away with it. And and because it's like it's like what they did was off or not. We've had a lot of that in our history where that was done to us by whites, mm-hmm. right? If you think about and you think about Mississippi and it was in the South, all throughout the South, they would take land from black people. Yeah. Like and figure out a way to take it, right? They would have the banks go call the note, knowing the folks can't pay off the whole note. That's why they borrowed the money, take the land from them because they can't pay the whole note when they call it, sell it to a white farmer or something, a white family or something. They do stuff like that. They go and burn a dang courthouse down and say, well, there's no record said that you own this land. They take it, auction it off, and of course it goes to some white family, whatever the case is. The Tulsa, the Tulsa riots. Of course, yeah. they burned that whole that Greenwood that community, whole town. Right? Do you know the insurance company didn't pay out no money on that? Wow. So and you think about no all one that was convicted. There were people who died and no Yeah, there was what, 300? Oh, they said around 300 people died? Yeah, like all that wealth that they had built got burned to the ground. Now, if you're talking about a clear-cut case of reparations, that's it. right there, the, the, the city of Tulsa all those families for that property that burned and the insurance companies too, between the city and the insurance companies that didn't pay out all those people for that property that burned and for those people who died and, and, and they are owed money to this day. And, 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 and that's separate from anything from slavery, but that's a clear cut case of reparations. That's a no brainer that should be done today. That should be, you should be able to bring a lawsuit on that. Um, but you, we already had enough of that stuff that was happening to us where our property was being illegally taken from us, mm-hmm. right? So that's one reason that you have this wealth gap, right? Where when you hear your coworkers talking about, well, mama and granddaddy, whatever passed, well, we didn't because a lot of ours got taken, right? Right. Um, and so that's why it wasn't as much of it. But then when we got it, then it's like, <laughs> when we got it, um, um, we didn't know what to do with it. Right. When, when our when our parents did rebuild stuff, was able to keep it, and then pass it along to us, we didn't know what to do with it because, like I said, it's how you pass it down. I tell anybody, when you pass a wealth down, and this is house of property, and it's getting split amongst a number of people, mm-hmm. you're about to have some trouble because they're not all going to agree. And if you do it in that way, you have a trust. But if you do it that way in a wheel, you're going to have some trouble because all it's going to do is cause a feud mm-hmm. between those individuals. My great granddaddy had some parent. He had like a couple hundred acres of land. Apparently mm-hmm. he sold all that stuff before he died. Right. And it's kind of sad. But if he had left it, his, he, had, he had a whole bunch of kids. I think the man probably had like 30 kids or something. They would have argued and probably would have lost it because guess what happens? Because he left a little bit just a little bit. And so my dad would go pay the property taxes. Up. He was a grandkid. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a kid. He was a grandkid. Nobody would pay the property taxes on. And if you don't pay the property taxes on, they're going to take your land and they're going to mm-hmm. auction it off. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's the problem with leaving. You have to know who's in your legacy, who's responsible and can handle this stuff and who can't and, and leave it in such a way that where if you want all of them to benefit with it, you need to put it in a trust. If you don't want to put it in trust, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave it to who you think is responsible. Uh, because otherwise, you can't have, like, if you leave a house and it's three of you 
And two of them said, well, I'm not paying no property taxes. And the other ones, then the other ones stuck having to pay it because they don't want to see the house taken away, right? Yeah. And so, uh, uh, and so that, that's what's like, it, it just creates a feud. Uh, and we just need to do a much better job and figure out how to pass it down. And it's up to the younger generation to teach the older generation how to do it. And older generation, I need y'all to listen. Listen, they ain't, you, you ain't been, you ain't been talking, you, you ain't been talking to them about no death, right? When you go to talk to them about you, what you think I'm about to you die? You trying to kill I'm me? I'm like, you're going to die soon. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, at some point, I mean, so, so, but it's hard to talk. So you really, the really the time, like it, it really, and, and I think there's for us, there's no time to talk to our parents and stuff about it. Because by the time we get old enough and we know about it, they're already old. So they yeah. thinking in mind. So you really need to talk to them when they about their forties, but we kids then, right? And so, you, but um, but they, but it, but it, truth be told, like we as a community to have those tough conversations, mm -hmm. they gonna probably cuss you out. They gonna get mad at you, slam the door, and you kick that, kick you out the house. But you gotta have those conversations with them, and and, and even do it in such a way it's like you ain't gotta talk to me about it because I can tell you we got this other issue where we don't want to talk about. To and we would talk, we would, we're much more likely to talk to a stranger about money than we are our own, you know, people that you know. That's so true. just have them say, look, I you pick whoever you want to pick, you know, to 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 help you with you know lawyer whatever to help you with this stuff. I will pay for it, and you you ain't got you ain't got to tell me nothing. I ain't got to know what's in your will or trust or whatever you decide to do. I don't have to know anything that's in it, right? I will pay for it, but please do it. In particular, they have some property. Okay, that's good. That's stuff. the high priority. Well, I have learned a lot. I've taken notes. <laughs> I'm no. <gonna> know. <laughs> I did. I'm gonna charge. I'm be like Dave Rams. I'm gonna charge. It's like a I'm getting in while it's free. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something I would never. I have a. I would never charge for. Okay, uh, listen. I'm gonna get on your schedule. So I'm gonna bring my finance, my financials, <laughs> and we'll sit down. And luckily, I have been very blessed to have several good friends tony felicia a couple of my sorority sisters kiffany katrina they are great with money my blind sister nikki i just it's, i'm telling you i have financial trauma <laughs> i'm afraid and or i just like i have been you know raised with well you only live once and you can't take it <laughs> i'm gonna enjoy while i can enjoy it while you can right yeah. but as i get to this the, the golden years of my life is like, okay, do you oh, want to yeah. keep going? Not mm -hmm. if anybody's listening, I love my job. But the one <laughs> thing the pandemic did teach me is that I enjoy managing my own time and working my own schedule. Mm -hmm. But I have to go to a job. <laughs> and so in a in, to a degree, they manage my schedule. And I don't mm -hmm. like that feeling. And so I want to get in position where when I'm ready to retire, I can retire and I can manage my day how I want to. Mm -hmm. You got to have some financial structure and discipline to do that. And so I'm starting to have more of these conversations so I can, so I can mm -hmm. manage me. I can be more, it's almost like a freedom, like financial yeah. freedom, like, you know, and with the math that I have, <laughs> I need some financial freedom. <laughs> talk trash when you, you know, in charge of writing a check. <laughs> you you said a mouthful there uh, because when you have that level of financial freedom, 
you will not stay in a job that you know is not good for you. Listen, I, I've been I've been chained. It's time to right? be emancipated. You won't. You won't. You you will you your 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 words will be a little looser, <laughs> right? <laughs> And because you got this comfort that if I if I were to have to leave here, then I'm gonna be okay, right? Yeah. Until I find something else, and and that gives you a level level of freedom and less stress yeah. all your life for for um, for not having to deal with that. Well, that is the goal for me: some financial freedoms, and I could continue the podcast <laughs> and my books yep. and do what I want to do. Yep. So I thank you for doing this for me at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I appreciate why. it. I like I talk about it all the time. I had I had a. Uh, session with my mentees yesterday i was talking about stocks and stuff uh, um, okay i do have a question about stocks what a man how many stocks because i think of stocks as like maybe a, a bottle or a pill or a thing like a mm -hmm. dollar mm -hmm. how like because they're shares mm -hmm. the how share. many shares is good to buy like for instance i'm, I'm on robin hood before robin hood started freezing <laughs> amc and all of that during the pandemic, I had twenty five dollars. So I was like, "Screw it, Ford is five dollars a share. Give me three shares." <laughs> I have three shares of Ford, which right now is worth a negative twelve dollars a share. <laughs> so I'm like, one day I'm gonna blow up. I'll be shares. So what is a good number? There is no. There is no. There's. So I'm there's cool no with my three. To, yeah, there's okay. no magic to it because I always think about it. From a perspective of dollars invested, or dollars you want to invest, focus on that. How much you want to put into investing, and less about like how many shares you got. The shares is it, it's just a number, right? Mm -hmm. um, the real number is the value of what you got in there, and mm -hmm. and and what or not that you think that's going to increase, right? Okay. And I'll tell you, like if you own a stock and you don't think the value is going to go up, then you probably should get rid of it and buy something else. Okay. Uh, but it's really about that, and don't focus on the price of the share, right? It's all about how much you think that share is going to, the price of it is going to increase, right? Because mm -hmm. I can go buy a share that's, it could be a $2 stock, right? Mm -hmm. $2, right? And it may, let's say, based on what analysts or whoever think of, oh, we think it's going to go up by, you know, 10%, right? Uh, over the next year. And then you have another stock that says Amazon, which is like 3,000, <laughs> right? So let's say if you look at Amazon and what it's gonna go up over the next year, let's say let's say it's gonna go up 20% over the mm -hmm. next year. And so people look at that $2 stock and say, that's cheaper, that's a cheaper buy. Mm -hmm. No, it's not, Amazon is, right? Because Amazon is gonna go up 20%, this one's go up 10%, so Amazon is a better buy, right? Of course, that's all, you know, what analysts think and, and, and it very well may not happen, but 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 a lot of people get caught up into the price of the share and thinking cheaper, the lower the price, the better off I am, right? And there's 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 some a little bit of truth to it, right? The lower the share got more ways to go up, right? Mm -hmm. But doesn't mean it will because it's all about the company. So I tell people don't necessarily look at that two dollars and say, oh, I'm gonna buy this one. The twenty dollar one probably is a better one to buy. You really have to study what you're buying. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're gonna invest, let's say you got, let's say you got twenty dollars to invest, mm -hmm. right? I can go buy the two dollar one. I get ten shares. And I go buy the twenty dollar one. I got one share, right? Mm -hmm. And people think, "Ooh, I got a whole bunch of shares, right?" Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's exciting! I got a whole bunch of shares. 
Well, you got $20 invested when you buy the $2 one or $20 one. You only got $20 invested, right? You got $20 invested. It doesn't, like I said, the shares doesn't matter to me. It's the dollars you got invested. And so you figure out how much ever you want to put aside to invest and you kind of go with it from there and just be particular about and try to pick companies that you think are good companies that are going to grow the price of the share. But the number of the shares is a mute point. Um, but that's why I tell people. Value, like focus, value focus is the key. Mm-hmm. Okay. The value is the key. Not when I bought Ford, I really did think about one that had been bailed out before, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually didn't get. They actually did not get a bailout. Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I thought they did part of when the Obama mm-hmm. bailout happened. Yep. But I GM thought about. And got it. I thought about the fact that I'm in Texas, and if nothing else, a Texan will buy a Ford truck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just that was my decision. I was like, the Ford F 150s ain't going nowhere, look like so. If it's oh, bad, right, I'm shit, like, it's four or five dollars right now. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll turn it around. <laughs> it went in the opposite direction, but yeah, I that with because stocks, you have to think long game, you can't be you can't really even watch it because the market sometimes yeah. can be volatile. It and goes in if, if you if you if you go start having heart palpitations or something like that, yeah, you might want to be careful. See, I, look I can watch it every day and it doesn't bother me. At one point it did, right? Mm-hmm. But this is why I say you, you invest a little bit, you kind of get used to it, you kind of understand what the market is going to do. And then you you figure out from that point kind of uh, uh, you, uh, what you what you will do. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to take $100. 30. I'm going to try to practice with a hundred dollars. That's a lot though. To me, I, I try to tell, I try to tell, I try to tell all my friends last year when, it, when, it, when the market went off a cliff with a pandemic hit and they shut stuff down and I was screaming, buy, 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 buy mm-hmm. as much money as you can put into the market, put into the market. We've seen it before in 2008 and 2009. It's going to happen again. Yep. It's going to happen later, again. I'm going to yeah. say the same thing. Buy, 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 buy. <laughs> I mean, it's still kind of volatile right now. So I, I think it's still a good time for me to get in and test mm-hmm. and play. That's, that's, always a, that's always a good time to get in the market because they always talk about it in dollar cost averaging, right? Mm. Versus you, know, you just dumping lump sums of money in the market at one time, just buying a little bit over a long time. That's how you do in your retirement plan, yeah. right? Every pay period, they, you're buying mutual funds. Every We don't think of it as a way, to, but that's what's happening. Every pay period, you're buying. And so you're doing that over the course of however long your career lasts and you got some stuff that's really cheap in there and some stuff is on the expensive mm-hmm. RAM. But in the RAM where you expect it to continually, the market to continually go up, you're going to be okay. Okay. And mo- for most people, if you want to get into the stock market outside of your retirement plan, go do some mutual funds. You don't have to necessarily do stocks. You can do mutual funds too. If that's, if you, if you, if you, if that stock's going to make you nervous. <laughs> I'm gonna play the stock like I play the slot machine. I got twenty dollars in that. Stock. Oh boy! <laughs> okay, Will. Before you get out of here, what did 2020 teach you? Oh man! Oh, oh! I, and I saw I'm gonna steal this off. I saw someone put this on Facebook. It was so funny, and I and I already had realized this is, um, and I forgot how they put it, but. Um, uh, that it, nothing, not a whole lot of change by me uh, to a certain extent because I don't hardly do anything. <laughs> <Other> than, <laughs> and so, you know, some people's like, you, oh man, I can't go this, I can't do that. 
Um, and so a lot of it didn't. Like I don't deal with a whole bunch of people, so it didn't really impact me from that perspective. But uh, <laughs> so, so not that I really did know that, but it really came, I really came face to face to to a little bit more with that. Um, you know, and I was cool with it. I wasn't one of the people over here just like, man, I need to get out, I need to get out. I don't think it's like I do like eating out at restaurants and I couldn't do that. So, but that was pretty much it. Um <laughs> Otherwise, I was cool, so that's something you taught me. <laughs> and and it, I, I was able to save a whole lot more money because I've been working from home. You still working from home? Yep. Yep. <laughs> I see. <you. laughs> I love it. Gas. <laughs> I think I filled my truck up, I think, twice last month. I was, I was pissed. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm gonna tell him it's time for him to go back into work. <laughs> Please, no. you know that they're already looking at us side eyes, trying to figure out how to get us back in there. And you get more work from people at home than you do in the office. Yep. Yeah, I'll leave y'all. And, at home. and they don't, and they try to say not. I said that's that's, that's a lie from the pits of hell. You get people more productive at home because uh, they're uh, not interrupted as much. Exactly. Um, if you win the Powerball, what would you do? Where would you go? <laughs> so I've already thought about this one. You know that. <laughs> and the funny part is, I hardly ever play it. It's every blue moon that I even play it. So, um, so if I want it, right? One thing I'm gonna do is like, I'm gonna divide up what I'm gonna keep, what mm-hmm. I'm gonna give to charity, and what I'm gonna give to other people, mm-hmm. right? And when you like, when when you get your little check in the mail, Tracy's like gonna have your little money now. It's gonna be a letter that like, Tracy, here's you know, some money for you. Don't ask me for ish else, right? This is it. Finish this up. Don't come calling me. Don't ask me. Don't come with no sob stories. You're not getting, you're not getting anything, right? <laughs> it's like, and then I'm going to hire me a bodyguard. What the hell? <laughs> these people are crazy. You look at these people who win the lottery and stuff that be happening. I mean, you guys, <laughs> I don't need a bodyguard who's going to double as my driver. Uh, um and then uh and in the and i think i would go to some uh places that i think i would mind traveling to uh like new zealand is one that pops off oh, the top yeah. of my mind uh i'm not a big europe person <laughs> uh but i'll probably do some some just some places that i would uh would would enjoy going just some parts of uh, uh, uh central america and uh, and I want to go to Egypt. I wouldn't mind going there. And some have my bodyguard because half me is scared with some of these places because you're folk crazy. Yeah, some need some protection. They're about as crazy as they are here. I don't, you know, every how many gun violence episodes right? have we had now? That's like, why I got every... They might show up here. Like they, right. I think they said last month was like 45, and that was before these couple incidents the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another one. Was there another one yesterday? I think. Uh, there was one yesterday? in Mark, Texas. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I My that friend one. posted about it. Yeah, they uh they going buck wild now. Mm-hmm. It's like um and then our uh Texas legislature trying to let anybody just you just can't get a gun. And then this is the stupidest thing about it, right? Gun legislation has expanded, mm-hmm. you know, since we passed the second amendment. And it has not deteriorated because you know the whole idea is like well, people got guns and they can stop these folks from shooting. So then you got a whole bunch of idiots with a gun shooting and nobody knows who is the perpetrator and, and who, who is not, I, you know, because I get shot because I got a gun and I'm not mm-hmm. the perpetrator. I'm trying, I'm one of the ones that trying to shoot. And I say, but if you look at Canada and, and Europe and stuff like that, we restrict gun uh, uh, laws. 
They ain't got all that foolishness. They don't exactly. And then the guy, the argument to that, the guy that shot up FedEx, there was someone in the, I think in the parking lot or somebody had a gun and pulled their gun to try to stop him and they ended up dying because yeah. he killed him. I'm like he so, ready. He ready yeah, to go. <laughs> right. So, You're not ready to go. He is ready to go. There was a, a a guy who it was in, I think in Arlington, where he he he's trying to scare his wife wife, right? Mm-hmm. And he drove it up here because she was uh posting racy pictures on Facebook or something. And so and he he I think he made a mistake and shot her, but he only like grazed her or something on the leg or something. So when he was coming out, there was a guy who had his gun. He's gonna be the hero, he's gonna stop him. This man got a gun. He just he already mad and he you gonna try to stop him. He killed that man. Wow. Right. And and so and he was trying to leave. And this is the same issues we give with police. He was trying to leave. Mm-hmm. Let him leave. We know who he is. <laughs> the woman know that's her husband. You don't need to stop him. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let him go. He's a soldier. He's gonna go back to the base, they're gonna pick him up and you know, blah 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 blah. Right. And so uh, but yeah, is if it was up to me. The Second Amendment will be repealed because it's not necessary. The reason that the founders put the Second Amendment in there is because the country had no national defense. And they they had muskets and cannons. Like yeah. we well, have, so there was there was we didn't we have, have guns a, that fire off a hundred rounds at yeah. one time. So there's yeah. no need for that just because we didn't, we didn't have a military oh. then, right? right? You you go on getting farmers and you know folks that with their little muskets to kind of fight the British or whatever the case mm-hmm. is when they came. You didn't, we didn't have a, we didn't have a four branches of the military <laughs> and a strong military. That we, point. The whole reason of the second amendment was to really protect the country from invaders. That was okay. the primary purpose of it, right? You, there's no way. And if you said that the purpose was to protect the people from the government, which that was not the purpose, that's why they have elections. Uh, but let's say that's the case, right? You gonna protect like like us gonna keep the military with you know nuclear submarines and nuclear warships. <laughs> <laughs> we go our little our little eighteen forty seventeen. They have all of that and spies like right? stuff. Y'all it's think like, the government don't know? They already know. They just did not like, ask because they didn't have if, of the if, government. If, if the state of Texas wanted to rise up and, and the federal government said we gonna squash it. It's right, not squashed. that it will ever happen. They can squash it in two seconds. <laughs> it's getting squashed. From a ship in the Arabian Peninsula somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> we need to get rid of the Second Amendment and Daylight Savings Time. It's uh, time. Yeah, Daylight Savings Time need to go. Uh, it's okay. need to go. I never made any sense of it, ever. <laughs> and ever of Daylight Savings. Even when they had in the old days, it never made any sense. Mm-hmm. Farmers start working when daylight and they stop. When it's dark. <laughs> Period. <laughs> okay, last question. Um, they make a movie about your life, your biopic, <laughs> your biopic <laughs> on Lifetime. Who would oh, you watch? No, Lifetime. <laughs> that means I'm gonna die because some woman done killed me. <laughs> who would you want to star in a movie about your life? Uh, I said, who would you want to star as you in a movie about your life? Uh, who would I want to star in a movie about my a younger Denzel? Because I can't have the old one because he's old now. But younger Denzel. Okay. <laughs> the Denzel, the Denzel that was in uh uh Glory. <laughs> With the one tear. 
<laughs> he was kind of gangster. <laughs> he was. <laughs> oh, well, I thank you and I appreciate you for coming. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to listen to it again. I'm going to take more notes and I'm going to call and schedule an appointment call me. with Will Pew Financial Advisor. <laughs> oh, shit. Don't give me in trouble. Uh, but it, like, again, if you know anybody, anybody that's listening to this, if you don't know of anybody, you can't find anybody you can talk to about finances and stuff like that. Um, you can talk to me if you can't find anybody. I Yay. don't care. I ain't charge you nothing, anything like that. I don't care about your personal business and what you're doing. They, I, I don't care, right? I'm trying to help you. So I don't even care about that. And so don't think I'm worried about, oh, you make X amount of money and you spend money on this, that, and the other. It's not about that. Um, I don't care. Okay. One thing they can do, I'm going to do this plug. If you call him and he helps you with financial advice and advisement, and he does not charge you, then you can make a donation to his his mentoring program, mentoring brother to brother. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. It might not be a big donation, but I'm going to donate something. <laughs> so if you give help and it's free, you got to give back, invest, because he does invest in our young boys and help them grow to be fine young men so that's the least we yeah. could do for free help that people yeah. are th charging thousands of dollars for yeah and, and pay it forward to somebody else you know too yeah. right what you learn from me or tracy or anybody is like you know pass that on to people people in your circle and, yeah. and whatever little bit you whatever you got i'm gonna uh, also put your um the contact information in yeah. the description box for mentoring brother to brother because you can make a donation even if you don't get financial advice yeah. because he does teach these types of lessons and financial literacy to these young men so you can you know grow a seed in that way yeah. <laughs> so, thank, money. <laughs> right? so thank you and have a great day all right thanks tracy bye Well, that's it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget, subscribe, share with a friend, and give me a five-star rating. Remember, visit me on social media. You can visit me on Instagram at Everybody's Homegirl 11. You can find me on Facebook at Everybody's Homegirl. Also, you can visit my website at www.everybodyshomegirl.com. Also, shoot me an email and let me know what you think of the show or ask me a question. You can email me at homegirlpod at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.